You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. Can you believe we've been friends for seven years? And it all started because I compared you to Alana the Lioness. Tamara Pierce really set the tone of our friendship. A love of magic. Briar Moss. Fantasy. Briar Moss. Powerful women. And of course, Briar Moss. I'm Anna. And I'm MJ. And we invite you to join our circle of friendship. Where we do a chapter-by-chapter deep dive into the Circle of Magic series by Tamara Pierce. We answer important questions like, how does Moonstream let certain dedicates take care of children? Can you imagine anyone else but Mandy Patinkin playing Nico? Knives, Briar. And Knives! Join us every other Monday at cofpodcast.libsyn.com or wherever you download podcasts. But seriously, Knives... to see three, four, perhaps even more women on the high court bench. Women not shaped from the same mold, but of different complexions. Welcome back to another episode of United States of Women. We are in season four, episode four. Yeah, season four, season four. I just have to find the right file. (laughs) I'm Elizabeth, and always I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Jessica. Hi. And this is Geek Elite Media's history podcast all about the women you didn't know you knew. Mm. So as Jessica stated, as we were trying to decide what season we're actually in, we are in the great state of Georgia still. Yay. Clearly, clearly I've had a few too many glasses of this wine. But it's really good wine, to Mm. be fair. (laughs) To be fair, it is well worth it. Uh, So this episode, I'm titling Coca-Cola Queen. Okay. Okay. I like Coca-Cola. Right? It's (laughs) it's got something for everybody. Yeah. And we'll get into a little bit of the Coca-Cola history, but not a ton. Because quite honestly, Coca-Cola could be its own podcast. (laughs) Yeah. The amount of shenanigans that went into the formation of the Coca-Cola company. Kind of ridiculous. But today we are going to be talking about, and I'm going to butcher this name, Letitia Pate Whitehead Evans. Letty for short. Letty? Okay. At least that's how I'm choosing to pronounce her nickname. L-E-T-T-I-E. Yeah, Letty. Sounds right. Right. That was, that was kind of my thought. So Letty was born February 21st. Way to go. Way to go, February birthdays. 1872 in Bedford County, Virginia. Uh, her parents were Elizabeth Stagg and Cornelius Pate. P-A-T-E. I'm assuming it's Pate. Yeah. Pat. Yeah. Not sure if it's French or not. Uh, And he was a dry goods merchant. I still laugh when I see Cornelius because all I think of is the fifth element. Uh Um, (laughs) There was – there's very, very little about Letty's childhood. I mean, like, none of our listeners can see, but I'm hoping you can see Jessica. Like, I've got the space for her childhood. And there's nothing. 
and there was nothing. There was there was literally nothing. I know that she was educated through the Episcopal Church mm-hmm. school in Bedford County. And I know that she showed an aptitude for learning and philanthropy. That was the full extent of any of the biographies. And this one was interesting. Lots and lots of sources. Mm-hmm. But all short, like nobody seems to have done like a real, at least not that I could find, a really big in-depth biography of her. Huh. Which will seem weird when we get into all of the things she's done. Huh. Interesting. So, yeah. But in any case, we pick back up uh, November 8th, 1894, when her history seems to actually begin. She married Joseph Brown Whitehead from Mississippi. Okay. And he was an attorney, and they moved to Chattanooga, Tennessee. Side note, that's where my brother's fiance is from. Oh, hey. Uh, So the two, so he practiced law in Chattanooga, and they had two sons. Joseph Brown Whitehead Jr., and because I'm going to butcher this name, Conky Pate Whitehead. <laughs> okay. It's C O N K E Y, Conky. Huh. And Joseph B. Whitehead Jr. Uh, so everything's kind of going along. In 1899, JB, which is what her husband is referred to from henceforth. Mm-hmm. JB had this grand idea, I am assuming in a tavern one night after a long day of hearings. Like that's just that's my assumption. Most grand um, ideas happen then. <laughs> right. And he partnered with Benjamin F. Thomas, who was another attorney in town, mm-hmm. and they decided that Coca-Cola should be bottled. Okay. Because okay. as of that, as of as of eighteen ninety nine, Coca Cola was only sold in fountains, in fountain style. That's okay. okay. All right. All right. So, quick little history on Coca Cola. So, Coca Cola was invented by John Pemberton, mm-hmm. an American Civil War veteran who had been addicted to morphine. And had a medical degree, so he decided to come up with something to replace morphine. Which was Coke, right? <laughs> Which was basically Coke. Um, and in 1885, uh, he established the formula for the tonic Coca-Cola. Uh, uh-huh. It was sold in Columbus, Georgia, and he registered it as Pemberton's French wine cocoa. Cacao. Cacao. Cacao nerve tonic. Yeah. Um, it was most likely inspired by the French Corsican wa- cocoa wine uh, mm-hmm. called Vin Marni, but it added the African cola nut, which mm-hmm. is the source of Coca-Cola's caffeine. Yeah. Uh, that same year, there was a Spanish drink called Cola Cocoa. Mm-hmm. And it won a contest in Philadelphia. Um, eventually, 
Coca-Cola would buy the rights to Cola Coca Mm -hmm. in 1953, but I digress. Then 1866, we get into the temperance movement. So Pemberton basically marketed Coca-Cola as a temperance drink. And the first real big sales as a temperance drink were in Atlanta, Georgia on Mm -hmm. May 8th, 1886, uh, where it was originally sold for five cents a glass. Oh. Uh, Which is where you get the five cents for Coca-Cola. He got a patent for the medicine. Uh, He claimed Mm -hmm. (laughs) that it cured morphine addiction, indigestion, nerve disorders, headaches, and impotence. I mean... It was Viagra before Viagra. (laughs) Yeah, but like also at the same time, everybody was claiming that everybody did something or everything did something, which they're not necessarily wrong. Like when I was uh, dealing with a lot of nausea when I was a teenager for reasons why girls get nausea (laughs) Um, (laughs) once a month, Um, I would every morning have a flat Coke (laughs) and it significantly helped. So like, yeah, I mean, like it's not a lie lie, but it's not the truth either, but (laughs) it's witchcraft. (laughs) Yeah. So there were, so now we get into the 1880s and there's like, so, like, here's the thing. Pemberton doesn't seem like the best businessman because by 1888, there are three versions of Coca-Cola thrilled, mm-hmm. sold by three separate businesses. Okay. And they formed this kind of co-partnership between Pemberton and, like, four Atlanta businessmen. Hmm. And then separately, there was a quote-unquote verbal agreement by oh. Asa Chandler, who would end up forming the Coca-Cola company, oh. claiming that he owned rights to the formula. So Pemberton gave the exclusive rights to the name Coca-Cola to his son, Charlie. Okay. But multiple people had rights to the formula. Like, they could continue to use the other formula. They That's could use the formula. interesting. Yeah, so you end up with, like, Yum Yum and Coke, (laughs) K-O-K-E. Like, you just end up with some weird things. In any case, Charlie Pemberton, the son, basically useless. And so he became, Asa Chandler became the one who was, like, he was going to make this a big thing. Gonna uh-huh. make this a big thing. So he started buying up everybody's rights. Yeah. And in 1892, he created the Coca-Cola company. Okay. Okay. All the records, initial records for the Coca-Cola company were destroyed in 1910. Ooh. Claim it you know, during the transfer to a new corporate office. Ooh. Yeah, it's not suspicious at all. Oh, right. (laughs) (laughs) But in 1888, um, or sorry, towards the end of 1888, so so this is all occurring like within the span of a couple years. Mm -hmm. 1888, August 16th, 1888, John Pemberton 
the creator of Coca-Cola dies. And Asa Chandler then basically swoops in and gets Charlie Pemberton to sign over the rights to the name Coca-Cola. Charlie Pemberton was an alcoholic and an opium Uh, addict. uh, That wouldn't have been a hard sell. Exactly. Um, And basically he bought it for $300 for the name. Wow. Um, Charlie Pemberton was found just a few years later uh, unconscious and died at the age of 40. Wow. Um, you believe to be due to an opium overdose. Mm. Yeah. So it's, you know, super fantastic. <laughs> you didn't drink enough Coke, I guess. Supposed to yeah. help with morphine. So, but I digress. It's now 1899. Mm-hmm. And Benjamin Thomas and J.B. Whitehead proposed the idea of bottling Coca-Cola and were so persuasive for Chandler that he signed a contract giving them exclusive control to produce uh, bottling, to bottle Coca-Cola for $1. Wow. And this would end up being a massively huge mistake on Chandler's part. Um, And Letty... Evans, our lovely Letty Evans, mm-hmm. would use that to her full advantage over the coming decades. So the entire contract specified that the bottles had to be sold for five cents each, mm-hmm. and there was no fixed duration for how long that contract was, which okay. is why you ended up with the fixed prices for Coca-Cola from 1886 to, 18, to 1959, because of this one contract for a dollar. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. So needless to say, Letty's husband, first husband, does a killer job in making this this contract. This is why you don't contract with lawyers without your own <laughs> lawyer. Uh, <laughs> and the bottling company just blew up. They wow. ended up having to subdivide it into four different bottling companies. Wow. And then even beyond that, basically outsourcing. Mm-hmm. And they ended up splitting their partnership with Joseph Thomas taking basically the southwest and western parts of the country Mm -hmm. and JB taking the southeast, eastern parts of the country. Kind of how they – but they primarily operated in the south, so it was mostly southwest versus southeast. And this caught, and this occurred in 1900. So they literally like blew up so fast that they could split the company in 1900. Wow. Right? With this split, JB moved the family to Atlanta, where both he and Letty became huge in the business and in society and in philanthropy in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. JB then suddenly passed on August 27th, 1906, so mere mm-hmm. six years after this, of pneumonia while on a journey to back to Virginia to visit Letty's parents. Yeah. So he left her as a 32-year-old widow uh-huh. with two young sons, 15 and 10. Huh. So like super, like, 
she immediately took over all of the business affairs. Yeah. And she created the Whitehead Holding Company and the Whitehead Realty Company to basically organize and protect assets. Mm-hmm. And then she began actively managing the bottling company. Wow. Companies. Her sons would eventually, as they got older, join her in those businesses and mm-hmm. manage the various affairs. Fast forward a bit. December 2nd, 1913, she marries Arthur Kelly Evans, a civil engineer and retired Canadian Army officer. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She just does not really have luck when it comes to husbands and marriages. But oh. uh, he became ill en route from Atlanta to New York where they had planned to get married. And Aww. instead, he had to be operated on in Lynchburg, Tennessee, where they ended up getting married instead at his hospital bed. Aw. Luckily, they made a full recovery, uh, but they moved back up to Virginia, mm-hmm. and they regularly visited England before World War II, hosted parties, benefits, all sorts of visitors. She just basically started working the scene, because at this point, her eldest was had graduated from Yale and was helping with the business, and her mm-hmm. youngest was on the way as well. Wow. Doing all this whining and dining, parallel to this, uh, in 1923, Robert W. Woodruff becomes president of the board of directors of the Coca-Cola Company. Okay. He happens to be really good friends with Letty. Okay. So in 1934... March 1934, they strike a deal. Letty sells the bottling company and those rights to the Coca-Cola company in exchange Mm -hmm. for a boatload of stock in the Coca-Cola company and a seat on the board of directors. The first woman on the board of directors at Coca-Cola and one of the first at a major company. Mm -hmm. So she's just like, okay, Robert. You want my bottling rights? That's fine. Here's what I'm going to get. <laughs> that pretty much sums up the business stuff. Mm-hmm. Because Letty, pretty much from that point and throughout this, turns to philanthropy. So where I had, like, no information on her history, I have an entire page of the philanthropy she did. Oh. Like, just an entire sheet of the philanthropy she did. So at her at JB's death in 1900, she donates five thousand dollars to help establish a memorial hospital in his name at wow. the Georgia School of Tech, which becomes the Georgia Institute of Technology (GIT). Wow! So she just creates a hospital in his name. Like here you go, have fun. She becomes a member of the Georgia Federation of Women's Clubs. Mm-hmm. She donates and establishes. Schools and hospitals throughout Georgia and Virginia primarily, but across the southeastern seaboard, mm. uh, including Berry Schools, Tallulah Falls Schools, and the Scottish Rights Hospitals for Children. Mm. She builds a new Episcopal church for the church that she grew up in in Bedford, Virginia. Uh-huh. She establishes the boys' home. She funds and establishes the boys' home of Virginia. She establishes what would become the Bath Community Hospital. (laughs) Huh. 
And this is all before 1929. Okay, so let's. this is before she becomes on the board of directors mm-hmm. at Coca-Cola. So from there, 1929, she mm-hmm. funded the preservation of a customs house in Yorktown. Wow. For which she received the, this has got a ridiculously long name, Federation of Huguenot Societies of America awarded her the Cross of the Huguenots. I have no idea what that means. Okay. (laughs) But uh, she, so she preserved the customs house, which is still standing today. Then obviously we get to World War II. Mm-hmm. Now she and, and her second husband, Evans, have been going back and forth to England, having a grand time. Mm-hmm. World War II breaks out. She then donates $50,000. Remember, this is 1930s. Yeah, that's a lot of money. $50,000 in gold. Oh, that's a lot of gold. <laughs> to the Queen's Canadian Fund for Air Raid Victims. Wow. And that was just her first step during World War II. Because in 1941, she donates the entire balance of her London bank account to the wings of Britain's Britain Fund to mm-hmm. purchase Spitfires planes yeah. for the war effort. <laughs> and her only request was that one of them be named Virginia. <laughs> so she's like, here, take all my money, go buy planes. Name one, Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, she additionally purchased ambulances, uh, which were taken into France to help with the war effort. And she became the trustee of American Hospitals of Paris. Can we, like, get, like, you know, I don't know, Jeffrey Bezos to be taking notes right now? Right? <laughs> right? <laughs> Come on. When I get to the numbers at the end of this, it's going to be ridiculous. So there's, there's World War II. Tragedy strikes just after World War II mm-hmm. in 1935. So I guess even in the middle, middle of yeah. World War II. 1935, her oldest son, Joseph B. Whitehead Jr., dies. Oh, He had attended and graduated from Yale University, served in naval intelligence services during World War I, and engaged in the family's real estate and Coca-Cola bottling businesses. So mm-hmm. he had helped out. In his will, he establishes mm-hmm. the Joseph B. Whitehead Foundation in memory to his father. Yeah. Then again, in 1941, tragedy strikes with the passing of Conkey Whitehead. Huh. In, he attended Yale and then served as an officer for the Whitehead Realty Company and the other uh-huh. businesses. So the oldest took over bottling, the youngest took over the other businesses. Yeah. In his will, he establishes the Letty Pate Whitehead Foundation in honor of his mother. Oh. And Letty is so moved by this that uh and it's sorry, it is to benefit indigent indigent Christian women in nine southern states, including Virginia and Georgia. Uh, In memory of her son, Letty 
provides money to the hospital at Emory University mm-hmm. to establish the Conkey Whitehead Memorial Surgical Pavilion. Wow. So she did a hospital for her husband, a surgical pavilion for her youngest son. It opened in 1946 with state-of-the-art diagnostic laboratories, operating rooms, an emergency clinic, and rooms for patients. Um, It was this that got her inducted in January 1947 to the Atlanta Women of the Year Mm -hmm. uh, organization and her induction to the Georgia Women Hall of Fame. Wow. He goes, here, Mom, I'm going to set up a foundation for you. She goes, I'll do you one better. Have a hospital. (laughs) Have a surgical pavilion. She then serves as the first woman on the Emory University Board of Trustees. All right. She also served for several decades on the Virginia Museum of Fine Arts uh, board. She donated to that to that museum a Salvador Dali watercolor and a 17th century tapestry, among many other gifts. Wow. Right? Because she just can't can't stop giving her money away, which I appreciate. Uh, By the time she passed, and she passed on November 14th, 1953, Mm -hmm. she had donated over $150 million to 130 organizations. Jeez. And in her will, she established the Letty Pate Evans Foundation focused primarily in Georgia mm-hmm. uh, along with named beneficiaries for an additional the foundation managed an additional fund for specific for 14 specific hmm. beneficiary organizations oh. by 2014 so this foundation is still going like oh. uh, you can you can still there's, they are still handing out money. But as of 2014, the restricted fund, which had just the named, mm-hmm. had distributed more than $962 million. Wow. And there's an untold amount having been donated through the General Foundation. Huh. Right? <laughs> Seriously. Bezos. Like nine, nine hundred, yeah. Notes. Like you make three thousand a second. <laughs> <laughs> like it is. I, I just like I look at it and I go, okay. So we get none of her childhood, but she clearly made up for it. <laughs> just in her later life. <laughs> so that is the story and history of the Coca-Cola Queen, Letty Pate Evans. A woman who knows how to take fortune by the horns. Yeah. <laughs> I still can't. Like, the fact that they b- bought the bottling rights for a dollar. Oh, gosh. Like, even in 1899, like, for a dollar. <sighs> That's so much money. They made but so much money. They did. But clearly, the universe was looking out because they're like, no, no, no. Give the money to these people because mm-hmm. they're just going to spend it on donations to everybody. Yep. So. 
I just, yeah, it's it's an interesting. And clearly, she could have been Georgia or Virginia, but with the amount that still goes to Georgia uh, charities through the mm-hmm. Letty Evans Foundation, which yeah. you can still go on to their website. Uh, they are still uh, donating tons of money mm-hmm. uh, to all sorts of charitable causes. Uh, their grants currently focus primarily on education and arts. Oh, oh wow. They got a pretty picture of her painting. Not right? Picture. Uh, that's a nice dress. So, you know, <laughs> a lot of their, like, so the education grants for 2020 were to the Children's Healthcare of Atlanta, mm-hmm. the Westminster Schools, the Virginia Theological Seminary, for a total of eight, $8.2 million. They did $6.2 million for arts and cultures to the Atlanta Opera, the Center for Puppetry Arts, the Children's Museum of Atlanta, the Community Foundation for Greater Atlanta, Fernbank Inc., Historic Oakland Foundation, the Robert mm-hmm. W. Woodruff Art Center, because huh. they're still friends, and the Theatrical Outfit. Wow. And then another $5.5 million to Human Services, the Westminster Canterbury Foundation, and the YMCA of Atlanta. Hmm. So, and that's just the 2020 grants, like, for a total of $21 million last year <laughs> donated. Huh. Interesting. So. But, yeah. That's cool. That's all I have on Letty Pate Whitehead Evans. Then I'm probably butchering her name and listeners are screaming at their microphones for. <laughs> probably. But at this point, if they haven't figured out that I can't pronounce things, they clearly are not listening to our podcast. <laughs> Any last thoughts? Oh, just, I don't know. Have wealth, give wealth. Right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mostly just appreciate that, like, her family didn't seem to hoard it. Like, no, they, they made really it. They it lived well. Yeah. There's no doubt that they lived well. Mm-hmm. But, like, they clearly were like, okay, in our wills, like, our children don't need, we, we've already given them enough. Mm-hmm. They don't need more. We should We're just, just going to make these foundations and start them up. Yeah. Exactly. It's great. All right. Well, if you want to reach out to Jessica to discuss the medicinal properties of Coca-Cola, where can they find you? <laughs> you can find me on Twitter as JM Bailey Writes. And you can find me with the rest of Geek Elite Media at Geek Elite Media and our Facebook page forward slash Geek Elite Media. Archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts can be found on our network at geekeletemedia.com. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get this podcast. And if you've got a couple extra dollars, jump on over to our Patreon page, Geekalate Media. But until next time, this is the ladies from United States of Women saying always remember to geek out. Geek out. This concludes our broadcast. Peace.